A big welcome to the Potential in People podcast with me, your host, Laura Peekle. We'll be chatting with inspirational leaders from across the globe about how we develop our human potential, both inside and outside of the workplace. It means a lot to me that you're listening to this podcast, so thank you from me. And if you like what you hear, please hit subscribe. If you want to connect directly with me to give us feedback on the show, things we can improve or guests that you'd love to see, please do so via Instagram on the Potential in People podcast handle. But without further ado, let's kick off today's show. So today's guest is a very, very good friend of mine and someone I know I'll work with time and time again over the next however many years I continue to work. She's currently a people engagement business partner here with me at OVO. Her name is Hannah Biggs. Hannah, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. I've never so, had a podcast before. <laughs> it'll be fine. It's so good to have you here. It's a very good friend. So it'll be like just having a chat, which is fun. Um, and obviously, I know you very well, Hannah. But it, for the audience, can you talk us through a little bit about you and what you do professionally? So as Laura just said, I'm People Engagement Business Partner for OVO. Um, I have really new to this role and it is working with various areas in our business on internal communications and making sure that our people are engaged. It's a really exciting role. Previous to that, I was um, communities lead again at OVO, um, working with our tech to product design and data communities on ways of working, best practice and communication, just making sure that we're all aligned across our entire company. And then prior to that, I have a background in recruitment, specifically tech recruitment. And that's actually how Laura and I met. We did, yeah. So just over two years ago now, when I started at OVO, um, Biggs and I were in the tech recruitment team, just the two of us trying to change the world and hire lots of great tech people for OVO. And then all of a sudden, the need to hire tech in Novo blew up and all of a sudden we had a huge team but it's um it's really nice to speak to you again today Hannah we still find ways to work together don't we yeah it's like we're like magnets no matter where we are in the business we still end up on projects together <laughs> we do I, I love it and I really enjoy working with you and an area that I know we're both super passionate about is agile in particular where we both work in the people team we're particularly interested in in how can we agile our employee experiences and I think before we dive into that and have a discussion around that today it's probably worth for the purposes of the audience talking very briefly about the history of agile um, and people will know it better than me but broadly around 20 years ago there were 17 software engineers in the US who met to talk about the inefficiency of developing software and how could they reduce waste, get customer feedback faster and ultimately work more collaboratively and, and faster as teams. And the output of that back in 2000 was this thing called the Agile Manifesto. And I'll link that in the show notes, but essentially it was all around software engineering and how, how we can be more productive and, and get feedback. And, and you'll see today, Agile is something that 
is very much the way of working in tech. And if you think of the word agile to me, you defer straight to those tech and product teams that might be working in that way and have done for years and years and years. But something that Hannah and I are really passionate about is the fact that agile doesn't have to just be in tech teams. Actually, it can apply to so many other areas, including for our employee experiences. And I think the, the way that the agile manifesto is written, it does talk about software. So instinctively, it feels a bit confusing to apply it anywhere else. But, um, but we're really passionate that it can apply and we've come up with a, another definition ourselves. So um, Hannah, maybe you can talk to us about why, why is it you're really passionate about Agile? And then maybe we can come on to how we've tried to redefine Agile in the purposes of uh, the HR sphere. Yeah, definitely. So um, I, I'm not an Agile expert by any stretch of the imagination at all. Um, I've been really fortunate to work with some amazing Agile coaches. Um, which is which has been fantastic and I think as you said Laura a couple of years ago um, after working really closely with our tech teams on recruitment and then and then in the community's lead role I started to understand really how how agile can work and just how effective it can be and then you start to kind of look at that in your own team obviously being sat in the people team and at the time we were so busy and we were trying to do so much stuff, which is which is amazing. It's always good to have big ambition. But there was a way of thinking, sure, that this, we can do this more effectively. We can do this more. Um, we can have better outcomes for our customers, which obviously are internal employees. And so that was when my sort of cog started turning around. How can we bring some of the things that I have seen and learned from working within the tech teams into our people experience and that's when I started to feel really excited because it was stuff that I could actually relate back to my own experience and I was thinking if I can do this and the rest of our people team can do this and so that's why I'm really passionate about Agile I think I've seen how easy it's been to um, run projects and build products in an Agile way as opposed to a more traditional way and so I'm just keen to kind of spread the word now and bring everyone else on this on this journey that I've been in over the last sort of couple of years in realizing the magnificent <laughs> elements of Agile and everything that it has to offer. Well there's a reason right that tech teams have worked this way for coming up to 20 years now and I think other areas of the business whether it be HR whether it be finance we're all catching up now that it's such an efficient and amazing way of working it's not and it's not just about efficiency as we come as we'll come on to but um but yeah it's um I think in the HR the people space at the moment we're really catching up to to it being something that we should be moving towards and can help us solve a lot of our problems so so yeah um, so could you talk us through the definition that we came up with in terms of kind of what agile might mean for employee experiences and then we can tailor from there? Yeah, of course. So um, Laura and I workshop this quite a lot. Um, we had a few sort of brainstorming sessions and then um, we, we came up with the description of agile for us in the people space would describe something like happy teams efficiently building the most valuable experiences for our people and I think there's kind of three key elements to that outcome um, and that is happy teams so really focusing on making sure that our teams are really supported and excited about what they're working on um, and efficiently building just really making sure that we're you know not only building the right thing but we're building things as 
best as we possibly can, as quickly as we can, um, and as, I don't know, as brilliant as we can, I suppose. And then finally, the most valuable, and I think for me personally, is um, this is the one that I'm, I'm particularly passionate about, which is making sure that whatever it is we do, we have our customers front and center and actually we're building the most valuable thing for them. I think it's all very well us dreaming up all of these amazing things that we think our people would want, but actually do they want it? Do they need it? And um, is it the thing that's gonna make their lives the best they can be within within OVO? Exactly. And, and how do we how do we know that if we don't get data and we don't ask, as, as we'll see in a moment? So I love that. So happy teams efficiently building the most valuable experiences for our people. And maybe we can explore each one of those in turn a little bit further. So for me, happy teams is the one that when we think about agile could quite easily be missed. I think when I instinctively think about agile and I'm sure it's the same for others, you think about the efficiency piece, but you don't maybe think about why it's important to have happy teams and, and why um, why might agile might help you achieve happier, more engaged teams. So why, why is it that you think agile helps us to achieve that? I think when we talk about agile, you hear a lot about psychological safety, um, which is something that was I've never really heard of before, to be quite frank, um, up until about a year and a half ago. Um, and I think when we started talking, when I started talking about it and we started learning about what psychological safety means, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Um, it, <laughs> Being able to voice your opinions and break stuff and try new things without um, the fear of being kind of rejected or being, um, I don't know, told that it's the wrong thing is, is a really, really powerful thing. Um, and kind of letting your imagination go into new and better ways of doing things um, is, is really, really important. And so for me, when I think about happy teams specifically when it comes to agile psychological safety is the one that that really kind of pops up for me and I think also um there is a really important thing around being small autonomous and cross-functional it's really easy to land on something on a project or a product and you've got sort of 20 different people pulling in all different directions um and it can be quite tiring it can be quite exhausting to be frank um and i think keeping things to a small team but making sure that you've got all those key skills that you need you're bringing in all those different people um across all those different areas that you know are going to be valuable in delivering this this project or product i think is really really important and then the other one i want to kind of really pull out um is having a clear purpose and outcomes and for me, this is um, this is the sort of the thing that sent me on my agile journey is before I went into anything, I really asked the question, what is what is our outcome? What why are we doing this? And just that one question at the start, when you're asking that of your team or within your team, it just helps things so much and it makes things really easy to navigate when you're going through and it actually makes it it makes you understand whether it's actually worth doing in the first place <laughs> the amount of times I've asked a question that question and it's been like oh actually we're not really achieving anything by doing this thing so how can we how can we pivot and so I think yeah for me having those three key things 
ultimately leads to a happy team. I don't, and I'm sure there's more that you would want to add as well, Laura. No, I, I love that. And I can, I can agree more how important it is for, from the start to set out the problem statement, as you said, like, why are we doing this? Because particularly in the HR sphere, I think we're so guilty of, I don't know, thinking of an idea and running with it, or a stakeholder comes up with an idea and running with it without first stepping back and, and analysing, is there a problem here that we actually need to solve? And is it the most valuable one for us to be solving right now, and which we'll come on to in a moment? But And then how will we know if we're successful? So defining that really clearly up front and then to your point and then setting up a really small cross-functional team to solve that problem together that has the genuine autonomy to to run off and solve um, that problem in the way that they see fit as long as they're achieving the outcomes that we're looking for and, and an agreed way of measuring that then give that team the scope to and trust to be empowered and and to meet those outcomes in the way they see fit because how many of us love working in a team where we're told exactly what to do all day long and for us in um in the hr sphere um we're all really smart people we can all get stuff done and um and over haven't hired us just to be um people who are doing exactly what they're told to do all day long we're creative thinkers we want to be curious and in order to be happy we want to feel like we're, we're solving problems and that we're, we're growing and empowered to do so so I think that's a really lovely one that um, you mentioned psychological safety yep perfect um so reference back to episode six if you want to find out more about that but but totally agree we need to have trust in teams to be able to challenge each other if we don't have the psychological safety to to challenge why and how we're doing things then that could be a huge problem and we might miss something key um, and then I think the final thing on the, on this one for me is agile talks about having regular retrospectives and what that means is every however many weeks you might sit down as a team to to talk about are we happy as a team and how can we get better and the reason I think that's important to happiness is that um, you can you have that opportunity to get everyone's opinion on what's working well what's not and if things aren't working well you have the opportunity to improve those because sometimes if you don't ask that question how do you know if someone is unhappy or feeling like um, things could be better yeah yeah exactly and I think um I think there's a couple of keywords actually that you to point out as well is obviously the happy teams but I think yeah trust is an extremely important one mm. and transparency if you're transparent with your team and you trust your team um, and they all trust each other it's it's an amazing experience to be able to work on something together um, and yeah ultimately leads to happy teams and yeah you're, you're absolutely right what you said earlier it's 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 an extremely important one that can sometimes be overlooked um, and just makes a world of difference to um, how we build things. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a really nice one to, to call out for sure. Totally. And actually, um, the, you've just sparked my brain there. In terms of the cross-functional piece, it might be worth us explaining what we mean by that. So Agile, yeah. we talk about cross-functional teams, but what does that actually mean? <laughs> so for in a more waterfall approach, which is kind of the more old school alternative to agile where working um, you would have one team doing a part of a work and then handing it over to another team to do the next bit so maybe some sort of testing and then another team to maybe release or train on it and cross what we mean by cross-functional is having a small team with all of the right heads in the room to solve that problem together so for example 
here at Ove, we've been working on our onboarding work streams. How do we onboard new new employees and make that a really great experience? So rather than uh, talent acquisition leading that project alone and not talking to other areas of the business, actually we have a couple of people from talent acquisition, but we also have one of our HR business partners in there. We also have some of our talent development specialists in there we're also getting lots of feedback from the business to make sure that actually we're covering lots of different angles and that um, we have the right people there to do to do the work so I think it's just a different uh, way of structuring teams even if your line manager even if um, for example in talent acquisition you all roll up to a talent acquisition manager you the idea of agile is that you can be working a team that's outside of that to create a, a kind of product team cross-functionally to achieve the the right goal for that product yeah for sure. so so that's happy teams then which i think um is is a really important one which i'm glad we we've hopefully landed there and and the next one we come on to in our description is this idea of efficiently building which i think is what i go to when i think of agile naturally but maybe we can expand on that further where would you where does your mind go to when we think of efficiently building um so for me i think the efficiency piece is um really key and i've been fortunate enough to work on what i would consider as a, a real um way of sort of building something in a sort of building a product essentially in a really agile way and i think the most important thing is to first of all um and i think you touched on it earlier actually Laura, which is getting early data and feedback. So really taking out really small slices of um, what it is you're trying to achieve and testing that super early and iterating on it super early so that what you're not doing is working on something for six, seven months and then going out to a population of people and then having to completely revamp what it is you're doing and almost start from scratch. If you take a small thing that you can test and test that as soon as possible within the first week two weeks um it just makes an absolute world of difference and then you can continue to build and it just means that you're not you're course correcting essentially every couple of weeks rather than every like one or two years when by that point it's too late anyway and so for me that early feedback piece is absolutely crucial to being able to efficiently build something um, and I think the other thing is um, really designing for simplicity. So whatever it is that we're building, can it be simplified? Um, so I think it's really easy. And I, I absolutely am one of these people is I can go down a complete rabbit hole <laughs> and think about all these amazing things and end up building this huge map around all these things that I want to do and how to do this. And sometimes you just need to take a step back and just think, right, stop what are we duplicating here what are we um what are we doing that can be a lot more streamlined and having that constantly in the back of your head around is this as simple as it can be is such a key point as well um and it's something that's i've had to learn a lot um because my brain doesn't naturally work in that way um and well, so I think in the hr space we're just obsessed with being so bloody perfect aren't we i think traditionally we would for example if we wanted to roll out a new learning management system or a new product for performance for example we would have um, decided in the people team that we were going to do it and yeah. plan out the roadmap of exactly what was going to be in that product and probably spend a year building it and then release it and expect it to land with our people and for people to love it and engage with it and sometimes that doesn't happen and we yeah. we wonder why that is 
and um and so i i love what you said there about trying to not be so perfect and, and think a lot more what we refer to as iteratively to so doing things in small chunks so absolutely loved what you said there and i'm i'm reading this book which again i'll link in the show notes at the moment called the lean startup by eric rees and he talks a lot about and and whilst it says startup it's applicable to lots of different companies uh, size company so I'd employ everyone to read it but um, he talks a lot about it building an MVP and what an yeah. MVP is is it's it's minimum viable product but essentially what it means is rather, once you've got your problem statement and you know how you're going to measure if you're successful don't then go off and for a year and spend all that year building something before releasing it to your point build a really small piece and then go to your customers and check is this solving the problem do you like it are you engaging with it does it solve the problem for you or not and 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 if it does great continue again for a few more weeks then speak to them again but if it doesn't you have that opportunity to pivot which I think is so so important um and even so when we talk about an MVP um and then iterating thereafter I think so again in the people team we get really hung up on the fact that okay so if we're launching a new learning management system how can we possibly do an mvp um, yeah. because it's it's a big system but mvp can you can think about it in so many different ways you could think about piloting a small part of that learning management system with a small group of your employees you can yeah. think about it even just as showing them a video so it doesn't even have to be a working piece of software yet um, or product that they can physically engage with themselves maybe you can have a video describing what it's going to achieve or what what it what it roughly will do to get that really early feedback so um, just thinking about ways you can eliminate time and, and cost initially to just sense check are we doing the right thing and should we be continuing and I think that's exactly it. I think it's getting out of the mindset of, a, of what I always say is a one and done. Yeah. So you just build it and then you just launch it. And that's just it. You, it it's just like the one and done situation. And actually what works really well is, um, like you mentioned, build it or build some of it and then release it to, I don't know, 30 to 40 people and then build some, get some feedback, then build more of it and then release it to... Um, you know 200 more people and then get some more feedback and then build some more and then release it to to the entire business and we've done that before and um in tech it's obviously like they say it's alpha testing beta testing and it just works so well <laughs> it works so well but you're absolutely right i think especially in well maybe not even especially in the hr space but definitely working in the hr space i think there is um there is definitely a preference to build something perfectly and then launch it. Um, and I think it, it is hard. It's really hard to get out of that mindset of releasing something that isn't perfect. Um, but the advantages really outweigh the, the disadvantages of doing that. Especially if you pitch up front, right? If you pitch that actually this is a very, very, very early draft, we, we would love your input. If you're speaking to your customers like that, they're so forgiving. And yeah. actually, the um, if you refer back to episode three about behavioral science, we talked about this thing called the IKEA effect, which is you're way more likely to engage and, and love and protect something if you've had a hand in building it. And so again, it really helps with that because if you're getting your customer feedback early on and they're genuinely helping you to build something, then how amazing is that for engagement? And um, so not only do you do you figure out early feedback sooner, but when you are done with it, or I should never say done because you should never be done with something, you should always be iterating it. But but once the 
product is is largely uh, where you want it to be they'll they'll be kind of your biggest supporters of it if you like and um I think you're right and also in terms of so for me this efficiently building piece is all around iteration so mm. not only when you're building something do you want to work in small sprints so do something get feedback do something get feedback that kind of build something measure if it's working well learn from it go again kind of cycle um so iteration for me is really key um, and also kind of once we've once we think we're done with it we should never really be done because what we should always think about how do we keep iterating that product to make it better and better for customers over time so I guess as a quick example of that we've recently made a change to our performance approach at Ovo and rather than just just and we're proud of it right but rather than launch it and expect it to sit there we've always pitched it as something that we're going to keep working on with our people to make it better and better over time so that it evolves and that it doesn't come go out of date very quickly probably at Ovo um, and then I guess the the other piece for me on this one is that Kind of if we refer to the word efficiency just taking a step back to identify where are the areas where kind of we've got waste and what i mean by that is where are we waiting for a big meeting that only happens once a quarter to get some, something signed off so inefficient we need to have really kind of regular collaborative ways of um, getting things signed off if, if that's what we need to but really if we're thinking really agile we should have the kind of guide rails up front and we should allow the team to, to be empowered to to move on it but if there are sound of points how do we make it so that that can happen really quickly we're not waiting for that what are the meetings that we have that are really inefficient and and um, inhibiting us from moving quickly and, and getting stuff done and learning so yeah. working out what the meetings that actually we rather than 20 people could just be six or do we even need the meeting at all do we have a really clear output for that meeting or could it be an email for example um, and then the final one for me on this point would be around project and process documents I think particularly in the HR sphere, but I'm sure in lots of areas we're obsessed with coming up with this huge in-depth plan up front. And whilst I'm not saying don't plan, I think the point of Agile is that things can and should change regularly. So, so it's good to have a rough, rough goal in, in mind, but actually we don't need these really lengthy project and process documentations anymore. It should be, uh, if we're working really iteratively in, ag in an Agile way, we shouldn't need those things and that, that takes time to adjust to but um that's something i'm really passionate about yeah and i think it kind of comes back to the point where we talked about the happy teams and having a really clear purpose and outcome mm. if you have that clear outcome that you want to achieve and you've got that north star the plan in how you the, the road in how you might get there will change it likely because business changes all the time external factors can be changing so exactly it. I think as long as you've got that clear purpose and outcome you shouldn't need to have these lengthy projects and process docs because you know where you're going you know what you're trying to achieve the whole time and the way in which you get there is likely to change and that's all good agile's flexible that's the whole thing it's agile so <laughs> you know it's um yeah it's, it's it's a really important one to point out yeah it allows us to to cope with change I mean think of COVID if we if we weren't able to to pivot for COVID we would have been really stuck so yeah completely completely agree um and then I think the the final part of our descriptor is is the most valuable which which for me and I think you said this as well is is probably the the biggest one here um what does most valuable mean to you 
Um, a lot of things. So I think um, prioritisation is is key. Um, I think I don't know in every not just the, in every company I've worked in, there's always the um, problem of doing too much all at the same time and not clearly prioritising exactly what it is you want to do. Um, and I think it's it comes from from enthusiasm, which is always lovely. It comes from an extremely good place of just wanting to do everything amazing all the time. But I think sometimes, again, you just need to take a step back and really look at prioritization because it's better to do three things, for example, really, really well than do seven or eight things not as well as you would like. And so I think the prioritization thing is really really important and then I think in order to prioritize you need to really work out what is the most valuable you want to work out what is the biggest problem that we're trying to solve what is it that our customers really want from us and then again that comes back to that efficiently building and getting that feedback if you don't have the feedback and you don't know what's most valuable you're going to find it extremely hard to prioritize what it is that you should be working on at any given moment so it really, really ties into that initial efficiently building piece. Um, and don't be afraid to say no. I say no quite a lot. <laughs> I know my manager um, calls this out a, a, quite a bit um, in a good way. But I think it's so easy to just take things on and take things on and take things on. But again, if you're confident in what is valuable to your customer base and what's going to work and what's not, then you're going to be confident in saying no and saying, look, actually, I don't think this is the right thing to do because of X, Y, and Z. Um, and this is probably the better thing to do, or we're already doing something similar to this. And I think for me, those, those three things around prioritization, making sure that we understand our customer needs and making sure that we're doing the right things for that and pushing everything else away is, is really really key yeah oh love that I get so energized when I'm speaking about this stuff with you <laughs> prioritization couldn't agree more um there's a there's a thing called Kanban which is essentially and I'm going to describe this badly but essentially it's a framework that helps you work in a more agile way um and what it essentially is 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 a way of having a backlog of things that haven't been done yet you've got a doing which is the things that you're doing and then a done list essentially and it can be more complex than that but broadly that's how you might set it up and that could be you could do that in your office as a physical whiteboard and moving some post-it notes around or you could do that virtually on a system like Trello which is free to sign up to um, and the reason I'm talking about that is that to your point prioritization is so key and we need to understand how many things can we realistically have in the doing at one time to not overload ourselves to make sure we're actually producing quality work and and um, and can be productive and understanding the customer problem that we're trying to achieve in each of those um, but also we should really we should have any ideas that come up I think the problem um, that you described is in any HR team I'm sure we are so enthusiastic and, and we move so many things from this virtual backlog to, to doing so we end up with so much in the doing rather than stepping back to our earlier point about working out 
what's the customer problem we're trying to solve and of all of these which is the biggest customer problem so which are the most valuable things to be for us to be working on right now and maybe that means that you can only have three things in your doing column and the only way that we can add more to your doing column is either if something moves to you're done and I would prefer rather than the word done to the kind of BAU iteration phase if you like um, <laughs> but actually um, either done or it goes back on the backlog because something more important such as COVID comes along and it needs to come onto your your doing column if you like and that's that's something that's really hard and takes practice but but unless we're working on the really valuable things for our employees how how can we I think if we're, we're working on some smaller number of clearly prioritized things it will land better and we'll, we'll address those problems more effectively and 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 we'll have a better way of measuring if we're we're making an impact or not yeah definitely and I think yeah absolutely the measuring piece um is super important it's it's that continuous measurement on whether this is actually valuable um and people's needs change what might be valuable to them a year ago might completely change um and again, like you mentioned COVID, you know, what people <laughs> might have needed back in the office and the way that they worked there is they might need something totally different for the way that they want to work from being at home. And so I think constantly measuring that, um, that even if you have, as you said, done, and I'm trying to do sort of the quotation marks here, which you can't see, um, it's never really done because things change all the time and we need to be continuously measuring what that feedback and what that data is showing us from whether this is still working for our for our people I I just love I love that and two things there I think um one I loved what you said about um working out is it still important so let's say for example right now in the HR world maybe we're all thinking about how do we constantly adapt to this virtual environment so maybe we set it up so that virtual onboarding is our only way of doing things and and we're really obsessed with getting virtual onboarding of our new team members right but actually then in two months time everyone's back in the office no one works from home anymore I don't think that's going to happen but let's say that's true being comfortable that then maybe we just need to can that project that we started yeah. on even though it's tough and we might put effort into it but actually that's not the most valuable customer problem anymore so we need to be comfortable with change and being able to pivot to to spend our time in the right place yeah exactly exactly and I think like you said it's kind of like oh I've just worked the whole year on this um but it ultimately you're there to serve the customer and if, if that's not what they need anymore then you've got to pivot and that's why again you shouldn't make those really lengthy plans and processes and make everything so perfect because it's probably going to change in one way or another so um yeah having that mindset of being flexible and not being scared to kind of pivot and, and change is, is is so important yeah I think the other thing that we touched on a little bit earlier, which I'm super passionate about, is this idea of co-creation, which I think falls really nicely into this bucket. And um, there's a if you go on my LinkedIn, there's a video of me talking specifically about co-creation if you want to learn more about that specifically. But essentially, it's about this IKEA effect. So working with people along the way to build something together with them so that they feel really engaged and, and can give you constant feedback. So it should be about that constant feedback loops. Um, and then to your other point, data. So using data to understand whether we're solving the problem or not. And what I mean by that is both quantitative data. So you might get quantitative data from surveying people 
as to whether they like the candidate experience when they join or for example you might use um, an engagement survey so we use PECON for example and you get some really nice quantitative metrics there about what's happening in the organization and that is one bit that's really important to measure but there's also the bit which I think some people forget as well which is the qualitative piece because we yeah. to understand why those metrics are changing so it might be that for example your one of your scores in PECON has really gone up and you think yes we've solved the problem with that product we just launched but actually it might be because something completely different has happened in the business and if you get out there and talk to your people you look at the qualitative feedback that you're getting wherever you can get it from actually they might be like oh no it wasn't because of that it was because we were allowed to work from home so I was much more engaged because of that so so actually using both sources I think is a really valuable way of understanding whether you're hitting the problem or not yeah and it it actually it could be for different like you said it could be for different reasons like you could be like oh the score's gone up by 0.7 like we use PECON as a, an employee engagement survey and so we get measurements in terms of numbers um but actually why those numbers have gone up or or down it's so important to then dig into what people are actually saying because you can assume that it's one problem but it could be something entirely different and so having those um, real kind of accounts from your own employees on what they're feel it, feeling and what their thoughts are is, is for, probably for me actually more valuable sometimes um, in terms of actually being descriptive um, and really kind of getting into the heart of why things have changed in terms of the data. Yeah, totally. So I think we've covered a really nice description there, which hopefully everyone's found really helpful. And, and I think maybe as a coming to the end of this podcast let's cover where can people possibly get started so if people are really enthusiastic about this like you and I how can they possibly um, influence their teams to think about this and get started what what are some of the things that you would suggest I would say um start small first of all yeah um, I think it's incredibly easy to think about I mean agile is a beast everyone does it in a slightly different way there's a lot of buzzwords there's a lot of ways of doing things there's a lot of um, practices and things that go behind it and it can be quite overwhelming I, I mean I certainly was when I first started looking into it I was like oh my god there's so much stuff um, so I would say actually start small and start with um, you know what what's the problem you're trying to solve just ask yourself that question what what is the problem that we're trying to solve and what does the outcome look like for us? What would good look like? What is it we're trying to achieve? And I think even just starting with those that those two very simple questions, you're already on your way to, to doing agile or to, to creating things in an agile way, shall we say. Um, and I think the other thing as well is um, the co-creation part, which I think again is, is relatively simple step, is making sure that you are co-creating cross-functional um teams so and they taking our over learn platform for example for example or, or any kind of platform that you're developing for our employees you know it might be that there's a certain team leading on it but that you have input from all of the other areas that you need input from um, and building a really good cross-functional team i think is a really good place to start as well i love i love that 
and it's not going to happen overnight and, and I think it's really tough you can't just click your fingers and everyone's going to wake up and work in a really agile way to your point the whole point of agile is being iterative so what's your MVP way of influencing this change in your team um, which I which I love and I think you're right I think it's about talking to teams about it and working out I think you described a perfect example what what's the problem we're trying to solve and how are we going to measure if we're successful so maybe the start is coming up the list of all the things that you're doing at the moment so what's in that doing column what's in the done what's in the backlog um, and working out do we have too much in the doing like are these the biggest customer employee problems that we have at the moment if not put them back on the backlog and really narrow down on that doing list I think that's such a fabulous way to start um, and and what's to your point the things that are in the doing list do you have the right people in the room do you have the right way of measuring if you're successful and have you actually got out there and talked to your people about those problems and and, and how you can work together with them to solve the problem so that you really um do the best piece of work i think that's a, a fabulous way to to end this podcast um and I think it just uh, before I leave, I'd love to mention a couple of books. So I mentioned The Lean Startup by Eric Rees, which I'm actually reading at the moment, which I think is super helpful. So I'll, I'll link that in the show notes. Um, and actually, probably about a year ago, the, the book that really piqued my interest again in Agile and, and helped me really understand it was um, Scrum by Jess Sutherland. So again, I'll link that in the show notes um, there. Well, to end then, I always ask my guest the same question, Big. So if our listeners were only going to remember one thing from today's podcast, what would you love that thing to be? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I would say that Agile isn't a one size fits all. I think um, what Agile might look like in one team will look different for another team. And that's that's really, really important. I think it's really easy to go down this route of well agile means that we must do a stand-up every day and that we must run in two week sprints and that we must have retros every two weeks and that isn't the case it's it's what works for you and it's just a mindset and so I think it's really important to remember that (laughs) Um, and that's I think that's probably the the key takeaway especially when we're talking about agile outside of a tech remit Um, I couldn't agree more. I think that's why people sometimes don't start because they see that people are doing sprints and stand-ups and sprint reviews and sprint retrospectives and sprint planning and these really in-depth Jira boards. And what, I mean, what the hell is Jira anyway? Like you, you, (laughs) unless you're in tech, like you don't need to worry about any of those things. I think it's about going to that, the basics of of some of the things we described and and just adapting to what that might look like for you. Yeah, exactly. So I think that would probably be my my key takeaway for, for people listening to this podcast. I think that's a fab way to end. And and Hannah, where can our listeners find you personally to continue the conversation with you after today's podcast? Um, so probably the best place would be on LinkedIn, just Hannah Biggs, B-I-G-G-S. Um, that would probably be best. Or you can always email me um, at my, on my work email, which is hannah.biggs at ovoenergy.com. Um, and, you know, just, just to related back to what I initially said was I'm, I'm not an agile expert or anything like that and this has been um something that Laura and I have been really passionate about and it's been really exciting to work on and you know if there are any people that are also passionate about this or have experience you know working with agile please please get in touch this is, this is a continuously sort of learning experience um and yeah I'd love to hear everyone's ideas on what they've been doing and how they've been sort of finding it if they have been kind of looking into agile so yeah please please do get in touch 
I, I yeah couldn't agree more I think what a fab way to say that because I think uh, like a year ago or just over a year ago I was working in tech recruitment and I had been talking about agile for years didn't really know what it meant so until you dive in and start to understand it and and I guess the nice bit about agile is that we can iteratively learn as well so we neither of us are perfect I'm sure if an agile coach listened to this there might be small things that maybe they would do in a different way but I think it's about learning together and, and just constantly having that customer in mind and thinking about how we can um, iterate together in the most effective way so so yeah well Hannah thank you so much for being on the podcast today it's been absolutely amazing having you and speak soon oh thank you so much I've really enjoyed it thank you